We're continuing where we left off. It is um, June 7th, 2020, and we're ready to begin our worship service. Um, we're going to have the thought of the week and prayer. All right, here we go with the thought of the week. Once home, the spirit continues to be very special to our identity in Christ. Just as Jesus promised in a word of truth, the Father would send another counselor to be with you forever, John 14, 16. So also, when we are resurrected, we will be with the Lord forever, 1 Thessalonians 4, 16. If the Spirit will be with us forever, then he becomes a part of our eternal identity. Our identity is not only what she does for us, it is also what he is to us. We are joined to the Spirit, and we will forever be identified with his capability, not just ours. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. 1 Corinthians 2.10 We are able to comprehend the deep things of God, but only by means of our heightened perceptive capability. We have not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we may understand what God has freely given to us. 1 Corinthians 2.12 What God has freely given us is our inheritance. It is what God has called us to be. It is our destiny. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. Ephesians 1.18 Our consciousness of who we are in Christ, our new identity, our new man, is realized by means of the spirit of truth. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. The Romans 8.16, and all of this taken from God's way. And that is the thought of the week, and I'd like to offer some commentary on that. Imagine that. We've been joined with the Spirit of truth who searches the deep thoughts of God. The Spirit was freely given to us to indwell in us forever. We have indeed been baptized by the Spirit. In Isaiah 55, 8 and 9, we read, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. But now his thoughts are our thoughts, for they can be. We can understand his motive and reasoning. How did we earn this gift of the Spirit? I hope you caught the contradiction in terms there. It is a gift. We cannot earn it. No one can. We are freely given this fantastic gift of the Spirit by grace through faith in Christ. And we look to him for our spiritual growth and maturity in understanding the vastness, the manifold wisdom of God that we've been freely given 
through Christ. May we turn our focus on him. And that is my commentary for the thought of the week. We'll turn it over to Bill for our prayer. All right, thank you, Dwight. So at this time, we'll have a word of prayer. If there's anyone that stands in need of prayer, this is the time that we uh, voice that uh, volition. Always, as I say, pray for me as I pray for you. If there be any requests? Yeah, pray for my family and especially my children. Well, the things we already mentioned as well, uh, the, you know, what's happening, the storm is getting ready to come, and then obviously there's a lot of unrest in the world, Pray, praying for, for that as well, and obviously the virus. Okay. So at this time, we have a word of prayer. We could bow our heads for a word of prayer. Dear Lord, we thank you for this day, oh Father, giving us another chance to allow our volition become more strong to your spirit, O oh Lord. Give us a mind that we alleviate ourselves and we bring more of your understanding and truth to the forefront of our minds, O oh Father, that we may walk in a way that is more pleasing in your sight, dear Lord. We want to pray, O oh Father, for the wife and the family, for the pastor and his family. We want to pray for word and truth church, O oh Lord. Lord, we ask that you See the unrest that's going throughout the world, oh Lord. Father, we've had an epidemic, and now we're having a uprising of people trying to understand what's been going on for so long. We pray that you bring peace, oh Lord. Bring a difference. Uh, we pray that it's done through the understanding that there is a God. If only these things could be worked out through the power of the will, the power of your spirit. There are so many people marching and going about. And sometimes we hear your name, O oh Lord, and sometimes we don't. But we know that that small, still voice that you send out throughout the world is that, that grain of mustard seed. We ask that it just bring forth a blossom of your spirit, a blossom of your will, a blossom of deliverance of people through salvation. In Jesus' name, we ask you all blessings. Amen. 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 Thank you, Bill and Dwight. Appreciate that. So we're going to continue where we left off. It is um, in John 14, 21. Uh, you should have notes. And in your notes, whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. That is the scripture ahead of us here. As the spiritual dynamics of the church continue to develop, our Lord gives more understanding of the new way of life to come. A new dispensation was on the horizon and the eleven disciples would need to pay close attention to the Lord and the Spirit of Truth when He comes. With their theological worldview dashed, they had to depend on the signs, wonders, and miracles as a sure direction of God's leading. They believed in Christ. They trusted Him for sure. 
But he kept saying these strange things that were hard to reconcile. Then he spoke of leaving them. They had to make some important decisions about Christ. I can imagine there were, there were some restless nights. What they did take away from their experience was to trust in Christ. Trust in his words, even though they did not have a context or frame of reference for them. The same trust that led them to follow him for over three years, leaving their families and businesses. As I write these words, I confirm that the church continues to stand on this firm foundation. Quote, Believe me when I say that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. That's John 14, 11. So, just giving you a little bit of thought about that time between the cross and the uh, ascension of Christ. And that was a very pivotal time for the disciples, and a lot came together in understanding. So that's the time we're in, we want to talk about. So let's see if we can get into this, uh, this, this next verse. Uh, we'll start with the first phrase, whoever has my commands and keeps them. So Jesus urged them to trust in him, even though they did not understand. If they didn't understand where uh, they were going, Doubt and fear could overtake them. So this is true for us, too. If we're not sure where we're going, if we're not quite sure how to get there and the details, some of us can't trust. We simply fragment. We don't look at it as something sure, so we back out. So that's where faith comes in, right? God spoke and he told us that this is so, or this is what is going to happen. We have to trust, even though our circumstances around us may be telling us something else. Maybe it's our own consciousness that says, I don't know if I want to believe, I want to doubt. Faith says, I believe it. I trust in God. I, I know he has demonstrated to me that he is God, and I can trust him. If anything, the world has demonstrated to us that it is wishy-washy. It says whatever is convenient. Uh, it looks for whatever stance it wants to, you know, for its agenda. And the world is not on our side. We should remember that. So faith is the way we navigate this world, not uh, by sight. We walk by faith and not by sight. So he was urging them to trust him. And he, when he says this, whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one that loves me, right? That's, the love is a new motivation that we have for God. It's, we don't just love when we're newborn believers. Love is something we come to, that we arrive at. It is not uh, inherent in uh, our new birth. Love is a product of spiritual growth as we've grown up and come to learn who God is and trust him and, and have a relationship with him we come to love him love is the motivation that we need 
in order to fulfill the spiritual life. Okay, this faith works by love. I know you will find, if you ever search that in scripture, it's a nice little Bible study for you. Faith that works by love. And how the two work together. We trust God, but then, you know, we don't always understand everything or where God is taking us. But we trust Him. And then love comes and it gives us the extra motivation that we need to pursue God in a way that we wouldn't if we didn't have that motivation. So let's move forward in our outline here. It is it was hard for the disciples. We must admit that. that they had to go through did the death, the burial, the resurrection, and the ascension. Now it when I say it was hard for them, I'm hoping you don't look down on the disciples. I mean, they are the very foundation of the church. And uh, if anything, we ought to look up to them. I know foundation is down. I get that. But what I'm saying is the disciples have an integral part of who we are today. They became the apostles and the uh, you know the foundation of the church. But we got to talk about their humble beginnings as well. It was tough. I mean, Jesus is telling them theologically things that is outside of their, their understanding. And rightfully so, they would push back. I mean, if I came to you today and started talking about some new theology, and when we talk about the mystery, believe me, that is not a new theology. It's been here for over 2,000 years. Well, if I came up with some new age doctrine or something, you know, there was that new age movement heavily involved in crystals and all this kind of stuff. Uh, obviously, we rejected that. Imagine somebody came to you talking about some new age stuff and, you know, you, you're going to reject that out of hand because, you know, you have truths that you trust in your soul. So in the same way, we got to look at the disciples and understand that they had a rough time. It wasn't easy. And, and then when we read the scriptures, let's orient to the timing of the scriptures. And Jesus was telling them these things. And right after he's telling them this, they're going to start living it, right? He's, he's going to, uh, they're going to get up from where they are and they're going to go uh, to the Garden of Gethsemane. Judas is going to meet him there. The detachment of temple guards is coming to arrest Jesus. I mean, all this is going in, it's going to happen, right? One thing, one thing right upon another as uh, this unfolds. So there's some scriptures. Look at, I'll turn to a couple of the scriptures. John 18 and 27, I think I have. I wrote a couple down, but that's the, the gist and in this, remember, there were a lot of ups and downs. So Peter denied. Again, look at this 1827. Again, Peter denied it. And what, and what did he deny when one of the servants said, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, challenged him. Didn't I see you with him in the garden? Again, Peter denied it. And at that moment, a rooster began to crow. And this is... Three times that Peter denied that 
he knew Jesus. He never mind. Yeah, I was with him, but you know, I'm not sure if I'm following all of his theology and all. No, Peter said, no, I never even know. I don't even know who you're talking about. I don't even know Jesus. Imagine that. His denials were very strong, and got they got stronger each time he was asked. Aren't you sure? I'm not. I'm pretty sure I saw you, and Peter was determined and this is what jesus says peter i know you you're saying you will die for me but before the rooster before morning peter you're going to deny me three times not just once but three you're going to say you didn't even know me that's talk about an emotional roller coaster and when that happened uh peter and i know it i don't know if it says it here but then it says he went out, in another gospel it says it, he went out and wept bitterly. He was talking about an emotional wreck he was. Be, be, because this kind of you know, drama, as it were, was gripping to all of their souls. I mean, here Jesus is saying he's going to leave. He told them everything, but... They didn't trust his words at that point. This is what Jesus is saying. Whoever has my commands and holds on to them, guards them, they're the ones that love me, right? If you do, why do you call me Lord, Lord, Jesus says in Matthew 15, and do not do the things that I say? How, how can you call me Lord? So, and then the love part comes where we are devoted to Christ. We are devoted to his words and his commands. We do what he says because we trust what he says. The disciples had a rough time, a rough go of it. And then in 19 and 27, there's another thought there. Uh, 19, let's turn to that. In 27, it says, and the disciple, and to the disciple, here is your mother. From that time on, the disciple took her into his home. This is Jesus talking to John on the cross as he is, has been crucified and he is about ready to die. He turns to John and says, John, today she's your mother. You take, in other words, please take care of my mother. That's what his, one of his dying wishes was. And imagine the emotion. I'm sure his mother was crying and weeping and, and and John probably was too. Knowing that Jesus is getting ready to die and asking him something like that. Uh, I'm just trying to give you a couple passages that describe the emotional roller coaster that they must have been on. And then uh, verses 30 when they had received when he had received the drink jesus said it is finished and they were there watching this with that he bowed his head and gave up the spirit for them all of their hopes were invested in this person and he died when he said he would leave them he didn't tell them you know, I'm going to, I'm going to die necessarily. Well, even if he did tell him that he did actually, he did say that he said he would die. And then on the third day, he'd be raised. 
But in their minds, they did not process that. They watched him die. And there is no example that they could point to that when he died, that's it. He's gone. It's over. Whatever our hopes were, whatever. And they lost all hope. And if it wasn't for the words of Jesus, they would never have come together to become the apostles that we respect and love them for today. It wouldn't. It wouldn't, it wouldn't have happened. So, and then 20, uh, let's go to John 20 and then 19. So it says, on the evening of the first day of the week, this is uh, after Jesus rose, when the disciples were together, the doors were locked for fear of the Jewish leaders. Look at that. I mean, imagine they were afraid. This is, we're not even talking about, yeah, we're sitting around playing uh, a game of cards. And then all of a sudden, no, there was, I mean, they were behind the doors. And it, it, it mentions that the doors were locked. Why were they locked? They were bolted because they were afraid that the Jewish leaders would come and take them away too and crucify them. So they were scared. And yet, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Can you imagine the emotional roller coaster that they were on? And then all of a sudden to see Jesus. I mean, really, is it you? <laughs> After he said this, what did Jesus do? He showed them his hands inside. Yes, it is you. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the, the Lord. And so then, you know, I'm just pointing, I mean, you can read the Gospels and you can find all these roller coaster ups and downs that are happening. You could find it. I just wanted to point out a couple so you could just see that it wasn't easy for them. It was tough. And point C, though to roll up through the roller coaster of emotions, they stuck together. And finally, the words of Jesus prevailed. And they had solid proof of the resurrection. I mean, it took a lot out of them. Imagine the stress of it all. I mean, they lost whatever dignity and standing they had. And Jesus would say things like, except you don't, you, a man takes up his cross and follows me, right? He's not worthy of me. And except you die, you're willing to die for me. You know, all, all kinds of things. If you don't give up your life, you will, lo you will lose it. If you lose your life for me, you will find it. You know, there were these things he would be saying that I can think about would be part of the stress that was on them. Could they really believe it? I mean, could Jesus really rise from the dead? I mean, is that possible in today's thinking? You know, it was doubtful. So, but yet, through all of that, they didn't fragment and depart and say, oh, you know, I'm going back home, you know. And I can think of what we call the Great Disappointment. This is in the 18th century, or actually the early 19th century, where William Miller, who was, uh, you know, 
part of, I think he was in the Methodist church at the time, but he had been studying the books of Daniel and Revelation. And, you know, he had figured it out. And he said, yeah, I, I figured out when Jesus is going to come. And, and, and he started preaching this message. And it was contagious. And many people started believing it. And they came out of their churches. And this, they, it was a movement that would would swell into this large movement of people who were, were expecting Christ to come. And all of it was based on the teachings of this man, William Miller. So, what happened? Well, the calendar happened, and the date came and went, and there was no Jesus coming back. No Jesus at all. And... So they call this era, the, this time, the Great Disappointment. So what do you think happened? What do you think uh, the people there did? They stayed together? Some did stay together. Actually, out of that group came the Seventh-day Adventists. You know, they, they held on to this belief and, you know, they said, Oh, no, well, we were wrong about this, but it, it, we just, it was that, and it was this, and it was that. And they hang, hung on. But William Miller, if you know the story, what he did was he left it. He realized that he was wrong and he went back to his church. You know, I mean, the disciples could have done something like that. They could have said, you know, I had all my hopes in this Jesus and turned out to be an imposter. He died. He was killed. He was crucified. Just like others we have seen who claimed to be the Messiah and were not. But Jesus came and said, peace be unto you. And he says, go ahead. Go ahead. Check me out. Examine me. I know you don't, you don't think it's me, but go ahead. Feel me. Touch me. And then, obviously, there's the whole Thomas thing, right? Where he wasn't with them. And then the next week he was. And then Jesus came and visited Again, he came, he says, all right, Thomas. So you know the story, right? The roller coaster of events that happened. and But that resurrection was solid proof, wasn't it? It was clear that all that Jesus had said, they needed to make sure that they understood it because the words of Jesus were so true. I mean, they maybe they didn't have the faith that they needed to have in him before, but now, with the resurrection happening, it's true. Now, they were still weak. They still may have been frightened and not sure what was the next steps. But one thing they knew, that Jesus was alive. So, whoever has my commands and keeps them, and point D is keeps them, they needed this statement more than anything else. Right? And this is John 14, 29. I'm going to look at the scripture. Uh, 14, 29 says, I have told you now, before it happens, so that when it does happen, you will believe. So, this is, Jesus was setting up anchors in their soul. When he would say things to them. And then when it happened, the disciples could come back to that anchor and say, Yeah, I remember when that happened, or when, when he said that. And now, sure enough, just like he said it, sure enough, it's happening. You know, it's, it was a moment for them. 
where they could connect the dots. That moment would resonate. Yes, exactly what Jesus said. That's more anchor for them. So Jesus is not just saying, believe me, believe me, believe me. But he's saying, this is for your good that you believe me. That you keep these words. Because later you're going to find out that these words are so true. So in John 16, 16, we have another sim a similar statement like that. It says this, Jesus went on his way. Uh, is that John 16, 16? So it says, Jesus went on, his, went on to say, in a little while you will see me no more, and then after a little while you will see me. So in other words, he gave them what to expect. Now, of course, he did this before the resurrection, and I know I can tell you none of the disciples believed that Jesus was going to rise from the dead. Even the women that went to the tomb early did not expect to see Jesus there. So it wasn't like anybody could believe the impossible. Even though Jesus said it, it's still, it was still very impossible to them until it actually happened. And then Jesus, all the words of Jesus came flooding in on them. Now I remember what he said. Yes, he told me this. And now I remember I can connect when he's, we were having a conversation over there. And then he said it again. And, 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 you know, it made sense to them that they could now see. So keeping those commands is for us. Right? It's for our stability. It's for our sense of, of understanding and trusting God. You know, in, in the face of circumstances that are, are definitely against us. So point E, his commands. Now... Whoever has my commands and keeps them. What are his commands? Anyone who loves me, Jesus says, will obey my teaching. That's what he's talking about. In John 4, 23 and also 24. If we look at that, uh, uh, it's 14, 23 and 24. Let's go back to John 14. Jesus says, uh, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love him, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. So Jesus is saying, the Father is telling me what to say. He's using my mouth, and I am speaking the words, but these words that you're hearing are not mine. Alone, they come from the Father. You ought to know that. So he is introducing them to the Father in a way that they can trust the Father's words. They can understand that the Father has the same uh, understanding and sentiments about them as Jesus did. And the reciprocal love, you know, where he says, the Father loves you, and if you love me, then we will love you. Uh, it, it's interesting that he gave us <clears throat> the teaching and he told us to believe the teaching and then to keep those words, to guard them, and then come to love those words. And if we do that, he's saying that the Father will love us, that he will love us. Now, that shows that there is a progression of uh, maturity 
that shows us that it requires spiritual growth for this undertaking. It, it's not just, oh, uh, he's going to manifest to everybody. It requires spiritual growth. Because he's talking about not just if you heard my words, if you were here and, and I checked you off the list as one of the disciples who followed me around. Yeah, I called you. Yeah, Nope, he's saying, you got to love me, love my words. What does that mean? And love, love the teaching. Right? And if you won't obey it, it tells me that you don't love me. And that was important for them, not only for them to be together as a group, a new group, but it was important for them to understand what was next, what they were about to discover. So there was a couple things. You had to keep those commands. Now, some people are like, well, what is he talking about? The Mosaic Law? We got to keep the Ten Commandments? If that's what? No, that's not what he's talking about at all. If you look at the context, you can determine it's easy that he's talking about this new spiritual dynamic when the Spirit comes and he's talking about the Father and so forth. You just follow along. Now, somebody could have told you, oh, it's the Ten Commandments, and you said, yep, sounds like it should be the Ten Commandments. But when you read the context and you see the development of thought, then you're able to understand why he's saying what he's saying. Keep his commands while well, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. Well, what's his teaching? What he's been telling you. <laughs> what he's been telling you, what led up to John 14, 20, which says, on that day you will realize that I am in the Father and you are in me and I am in you. The whole teaching about the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth, who's coming into, and the world can't accept him and either knows him, but you will know him because he lives with you, he will be in you. And on and on, the teaching of, you know, about the, the way to the Father and so forth. This, this new dynamic that's coming that never before existed. But the disciples were, are going to be the first responders to this new spiritual life. It's exciting. So, whoever has my commands and keeps them... He's the one, this is the one, that loves me. That's what Jesus is saying in point number two. So, what to think about this. To love him is to keep his commands. That's John 14, 15, where he says, if you love me, keep my commandments. Really, it should be, you will keep. It's a natural response to loving him. We get that from John 14 at the end where Jesus says but the world must learn that I love the father and do exactly what my father commands me so loving the father means you're going to execute what the father wants you to do right the, the plan he's Jesus knew that he was there operating on a plan it wasn't just happened to be there he, he, he was there because he was sent into the world to accomplish a mission. And he saw himself as that. So Jesus is a called person. He is an elect person. And he was called, he was elected for this role. And he realizes that he now occupies that space 
and he says, I got I love the plan and I'm on board with what the father wants me to do. So what do I do? I do exactly as the father has commanded us. Now, in, uh, in 14, 15, it looks like it's the reverse, right? He says, um, well, actually, it's not the reverse. It's the same. If you love me, what will we do? We will keep his command. We will execute what he wants us to do. Right? Two things he wanted them to do. He wanted them to stay together. Right? That was important. And let's look at that. Uh, it's John 13. Let's go back to John 13. This is one of the things that were important. Uh, 13, and we'll start at verse 21. After he had said this, uh, Jesus was troubled in spirit and testified, Very truly I tell you, one of you is going to betray me. His disciples stared at one another at a loss to know which one of them he meant. One of them, the disciple whom Jesus loved, was reclining uh, next to him. Simon Peter motioned to, the, to, to this disciple and asked, Ask him which one he means. Leaning back against Jesus, he asked, Lord, who is it? Jesus answered, Is it the one to whom I will give a piece of bread when I have dipped it in the dish? Then dipping the piece of bread, uh, he gave it to Judas, son of Simon Iscariot. As soon as Judas took the bread, Satan entered him, and Jesus told him, What you are about to do, do quickly. But no one at the meal understood why Jesus said this to him. So Judas had, was charged with money, so they thought other things. So, But when he was gone, Jesus says, Now the Son of Man is glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will glorify the Son himself. And will glorify him at once. My children, I will be with you only a little while longer. You, you will look for me, and just as I told you, right, all of that, that you won't find me. But then Peter chimes in. But the thought here in this is, is that uh, he, he comes to this new command. I'm, I'm skipping because I know I'm, I'm reading the whole thing. Verse 34, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. So this loving one another, obviously he, Judas left at this point, and, the, and he is able to talk to the disciples in, from a standpoint of unity now. And this love that he's talking about here, Love one is is a love that really there's he's saying to them you have to stick together, you have to look out for one another. You know he's he's done he's washed their feet he's done all this stuff to show them unity, because there's two things they need. One, they need that unity, because otherwise they would have been fragmented. They would have. Left, and I know I'm I'm going to deal with that in the next point. Following Jesus's instructions was the key to their survival, and thus survival of the church. And the, the Ephesians two twenty is where uh, the church is built on the foundation of apostles and prophets, with Jesus Christ as the chief cornerstone. So this new command is important. 
to stick together. And what do we find? And we already read it. That the disciples were in the upper room, locked with the door locked, but they were together. They didn't all just go back home and decide, oh, it's over. But they stayed together. They kept the command. They, even though they didn't know what was next, they stuck together. That was important, right? They didn't fragment because we wouldn't have had a church, would we? Right? Jesus would come and he could come and speak to all of them together. Peace be unto you, he says. The, altern the alternative to that would have been fragmentation. So we have to see how his command, so it's not just, hey, listen to this new theology I'm, I'm telling you, but the second one is you got to love each other. you got to be devoted to one another. And you have to prefer one over the other. I mean, each, each of you. And, and what, what is that around? It's around this new teaching that I've been telling you. It's not just a matter of coming together. You've got to have both here. Because if you just have the one where you have unity, well, plenty of people have unity. They come together for a lot of reasons. But we are here. This church is here because of the doctrine that we have, the mystery, the new calling that we all re, uh, have come to understand that we have been called from eternity past for this purpose at this particular time. God wants us on the battlefield right now. And we're here, just like Christ says, and the world must learn I love the Father and I, I'm executing the plan that he has for me. I do exactly what the Father has commanded me. That's where we, if we want to show our love, we have to have the unity, number one, and we have to have that love. And then there's John 17, where Jesus even says this, uh, this thought. He says, uh, verse 6, I have revealed you to those whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours. You gave them to me. And they have obeyed your word. Now they know that everything you have given me comes from you. For I gave them the words that you gave me, and they accepted them. They knew with certainty that I came from you, and they believed that you sent me. Right? And, and he says, I have, there's another place where he says, uh, I have kept them, and none of them is lost except the son of perdition. Right? So, the idea here is they stayed together. They were kept. Right? They obeyed the commands. They listened. And through it all, Jesus is able to say to the Father on their behalf that this is true of them. Now remember, John 17 is not after all this happens. It is before. So Jesus is speaking on their behalf to the Father. So anyway, going back to the outline here. So it's important, right, that they would have followed two things, right? And we're not a, a group here just because we uh, like to read the Bible and talk about Bible study. But it's a narrative that we're here. Right? We're not just Word of Truth Christian Church because, you know, there's thousands of churches around. We're here because of the information the calling 
that we have received. And locally, yes, we reside in, in the common vicinity, but the reason why we're here is two things. It's the doctrine, certainly not my personality. <laughs> it's the doctrine and it is the fact that God wanted us to be together. Those two, love your brothers and sisters. Those commands, prefer one another, right? That's the only way. The faithfulness that we have towards each other is a part of why we're here 15, 18 years later. 19, actually. So here, uh, we're moving on in our outline, point C. Love here has to do with believing and trusting the plan the new reality that would soon begin to unfold. And when I say soon, if you just look right at John 18, right? John 18 says what? It says, when he had finished praying, Jesus left with the disciples and crossed the Kidron Valley. On the other side, there was a garden. And he and the disciples went into it. So, and Judas is right on their heels right after that after he's praying in the garden. So notice when he's, he's, this is soon to happen. This is not something that happened, oh, and years later, uh, they remembered the words of Jesus. No, this happened right on the heels of the words of Jesus. And they got up and left and went to the garden. So, you know, it, that, it, just seeing the immediate agency of it, right, it's important to see. So it has to do with believing and trusting the plan, the new reality that will begin to unfold. And then Ephesians 1, 15 through 18, I like that scripture. This used to be an important scripture. It still is. It always is important. But Ephesians 1, 15 through 18, listen to this one. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And here we go. The faith, the trusting, and the love. Notice the two things that are important for what we just talked about, what Jesus just talked about, they're still important today. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people. There it is, the, the camaraderie, the unity that we have, the oneness that we understand, that we're all members together of one body. Right? I have not stopped, Paul says, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. So th th these verses resonate with the very same things that are important today 2020 one that we we have an obligation to stick together we also have an obligation to continue growing in truth and love right for for the truth and executing the plan that has been given to us so it's nothing has changed in that regard so point d here by committing himself to the father's plan Jesus demonstrates the way of love. And we already just covered John 14, 30, and 31. 
which is a profound passage of Jesus's inner workings and motivation. How did he see things? How did it work out in his mind? It's important for us to know that. It's because we have the same thing going on here. Jesus says, I love the Father. And the, when he says the world must learn, Jesus understood that he was on the battlefield. It wasn't just, you know, that he was doing this for the Father, but it was a demonstration of who he was and his commitment to the plan. Right? Just the world must, I love the Father. How is that love expressed? What does that look like on the ground? It looks like executing the Father's plan. And Jesus says, I got to do it. In fact, we needed Jesus to execute the Father's plan or else there would not have been salvation for anyone. How important was that? Can you imagine when Jesus told Peter he had to go to the cross? Peter says, Lord, that's never going to happen for you. Stop talking like that, in fact. He rebuked Jesus. Jesus, Peter, you, you're a stumbling block to me. You're in the way. I'm trying to get to the cross to, to, to execute the Father's plan to provide salvation for all, and you're in the way. You're like those Pharisees. He says to the Pharisees, you people want to get saved, but you're blocking the way for them to get saved. You're telling them, that they got to do all this stuff and you're encumbering the way with all these obstacles. And you are a stumbling block. You're in the way. Imagine that. Such an important work that Jesus had. He had obstacles to doing it. And finally, Jesus had to say, Get thee behind me, Satan. You're in the way, Peter. So, and... Point uh, E, let's move forward, of our outline. We should follow in his steps. One, loving one another, as we just spoke, in, spoke about. St sticking together, not becoming fragmented. Those are the two things. And, well, and two, closely believing and trusting the new way, the mystery doctrine from the spirit of truth. Right? Committing to it. In love. And love gives us the motivation to do it. Love is how the Spirit sheds abroad in our hearts that proper motivation we need to execute the Father's plan. And that's where we get love because we don't have that love inherent within ourselves. It comes from God, the Holy Spirit. We see that in Romans chapter 5. That He sheds love abroad in our hearts. Now, it is not just something where all of a sudden we were unloving and now we're loving. It is a coordination. It is a synergy that we have to cooperate uh, with the Spirit. And then what that leads to is the proper motivation of love. So it, it, it's twofold here. It is one, it has to do with, you know, where we love one another. We stick together no matter what. Right? We don't become fragmented. And look at 1 John 5. I'm going to turn there. It's important that we see how he develops here. The same thought in 1 John 5. He says, Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves his child as well. 
notice that's the brotherhood that that's the fellowship we have together that's the oneness the members of one body we are not only members of his body we are members of one another we are we are one in that regard so he says this is how we know that we love the children of god by loving god and carrying out his commands so his commands we talk about, we, we, we already said, keeping the word, keeping the understanding. And in fact, this is love for God, to keep his commands. And his commands are not burdensome. right? So, and then he mixes faith in whatsoever overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world. It is our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. So, and in this way, we can see how uh, it is important that we stay together and that we come to love one another. And if you're born of God, I'm born of God. We're brothers. We're members together. What allows for that? The Holy Spirit who baptizes us into the body of Christ. Now, And I wouldn't say this is a new command uh, because this command was given to Israel. Israel needed to have the same camaraderie. So it says two things that were important in Israel. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, body, and strength, which I would say is part of what we need to do too. And the second one was love your neighbor as yourself. Right? Your neighbor is your fellow Israelite. And you could go back to the Old Testament and you can find that command embedded in the law as well. And those commands the two things that were important right? love god with all your heart so the motivation that you need is toward god and to have that camaraderie with fellow believers in this same thing now why a new command because the church is new never before seen so what god is telling us is not the same thing he told israel what the purpose, <clears throat> Jesus said in John 13, I have a new command. The purpose for the church is not the same purpose for Israel. I'm hoping people will understand that. that we, they will come to, to realize that. So what we have is not the same purpose that Israel has. So it's important that we see that. right? Um, so we should <clears throat> follow in his steps, as we said, one is not becoming fragmented, and then two, closely believing and trusting the new way. That's it, the mystery doctrine, which is revealed, uh, began to be revealed at Pentecost from the Spirit of Truth, uh, committing to it in love and motivation. This is this is the path that you are to walk in. This is it. Now, if you're trying to walk in some other path of Israel and you know, you, you're trying to mix what Israel did because you you like the what they did and, and Joshua and Moses and all that, and you want to mix it into the church age, it's not going to work. You have you really have to commit to the plan. You have to be faithful to the to the church, not to Israel. And it's and if it's it's for us is like Christ is is the husband and we are the bride, and we ought to follow what the husband says in every respect and this is Christ and the church this is the profound mystery 
between Christ and the church. So it's important that we do follow this. And I'm looking at our time and I'm realizing that we are at the end. So before we move into point number three, which is the one who loves me will be loved by my father. We will take a break and come back next week. You you have the opportunity to look over the scriptures as you get to them. We can have some context. But for this week, I just those two things ring true. Uh, those poor disciples, hopefully you have some sympathy for them and understanding about what they went through. And, uh, you know, we could say, oh, we would have fared much better. <laughs> well, that's just talk. They did it. They actually went through these things. And they came out on the other side and were victorious in Christ. So let's do this. Let's pray. And we'll come back next week so that we can continue to finish this verse. Thank you, Father, for this opportunity we've had to fellowship in your word. We thank you for those who have participated. And we pray that these words uh, that you have given us will be a source of meditation and trust in our souls and commitment as we Think about the love that is required to fulfill the commands that you have given us. Thank you for choosing us, for calling us, for electing us to be in this particular age at this time. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen.